The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat riders are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, you can do that. Go over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and right there at the top of the page you'll see two videos. The one on the left is an educational video by Bradley because he didn't have a show on Saturday. I believe they were traveling at the time. And then on the right side is where we're streaming live. So all you got to do is hit the play button, blow it up on whatever device you're on. And uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, you will see a little Rumble icon. Click on that and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We're also streaming on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live if you want to subscribe to that channel. Also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there, we're streaming. And then also on dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. 
and um, <clears throat> right up under where we're streaming live is where you can find is where you can subscribe to our email newsletter. So uh, if you'd like to do that, you get one email from us a day. It'll be in the evening time, and um, then if you want our ministry email, which goes out on Saturdays, it goes out once a week. You can go to sonsoflibertyradio.com, sign up for that right on the front page. If you agree with our message and you'd like to help support the Sons of Liberty. There's a donate button at the top of the page. You can click on that and make a one-time donation. Or you can be a monthly partner with us, a son or daughter of liberty. And we appreciate all of our supporters who help keep us out there on the internet, radio, and among the people. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, we're very appreciative of you guys for that. Now, I know things are, are difficult and they're very tough for everybody. So uh, really, it's a heartfelt thanks when you guys keep us out there, even when things are very difficult. So thank you. Uh, also, our store is available if you guys want to pick up some equipping tools or some Great conversation starters, hats, t-shirts, uh, things like that, even dog tags uh, that we got. Uh, some of you guys had requested, and we had them worked up. This week we're highlighting Grass Doesn't Work, The Rocks Do. This is Bradley's book. It's normally a donation of $11 this week only through Saturday at midnight. When you use the promo code GRASS, you can get 25% off the book. Several people have uh, commented in the chat I've seen <clears throat> that they really appreciate the message out of the book. So if you've been wanting to get this, now's the time to do it. You can get 25% off through Saturday at midnight when you use the promo code GRASS. All right. A um, couple of headlines here at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And one of them we're going to talk about here uh, this morning, uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, obviously, uh, where to stash your cash in 2022. Um, I got to tell you, listening to this woman, I mean, she knows her stuff as to what's going on and she's trying to help people fight back against what we're being driven toward and that's why she's saying the more you can use um the more you can use cash the better off you are against fighting sort of against the cashless society and i notice a lot of people don't use cash today at all they use their card um they use you know debt and everything else and of course cash is debt too there's no doubt about that but the the reason the debt keeps going up is the constant printing of money uh to cover all of these electronic transfers and things of that nature along with the spending that goes on that's that we don't have any money for uh so every year congress has to go to the federal reserve which is a private institution it is not part of the government i know it says federal it does it's not part of the government they end up printing money out of thin air it goes on a ledger and they call it a debt that we owe. And every year, doesn't matter who's president, if it's an R or D, it doesn't matter. The they will sign on to spending, and a bulk of that spending, the vast majority of it, will be nothing more than debt. As soon as they get the money, it's already got debt on it. So that's why um, you know she's put some of these very practical solutions that people can engage in. In her latest video. Also, treasonous Supreme Court injustice, Elena Kagan claims SCOTUS must follow public sentiment, not the law. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, and we'll, we'll reference this, of course. Uh, also, unleaded gasoline futures declined 26%. Has inflation peaked the economic cycle? That's the latest from uh, Ms. Shedlock. And also, a California trucker convoy fights ex-communist union leaders' mandatory unionization. I, You know what? The unions may sound like a good idea. They're really not. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And some people may disagree with me, but when you look at what they actually end up doing, they're they're just not they're not good for the workers and they're not good for the the uh, the employers, obviously either. But then, you know, what can you do? Um, also, Fauci and Surgeon General 
and other bureaucrats have been subpoenaed over collusion with big tech to suppress free, free speech. Now listen, there's no need to do that. Remember when Jen Psaki went out there to the people and she told on, on herself and the Biden administration, the illegitimate Biden administration, that they were working with Facebook to censor and dissent any dissent or what they called misinformation. Remember when she did that? The videos are there of her doing it. She's already said it, what they were doing. Oh, it's incredible. It really is. Two stunning discoveries found in blood clots from those given COVID shots. That's um, Dr. Jane Ruby has come out with that information from a board-certified embalmer by the name of Richard Hirschman. Uh, if you want to check that out, that's at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Also, nearly 2 million 5G base stations are now deployed in China. I forget how many um, uh, mil- million or billion. I forget the numbers. Boy, they, I mean, they just get crazy. Users they have in China. And now we're seeing that come out. Boy, when they really ramp this stuff up, there's going to be some sicknesses. You heard Joe Biden. He must have some inside information. We're going to have a second pandemic. That's what Joe said. We're going to have a second one. How do you know that, Joe? How how does Bill Gates come out and say, we're going to have a bunch of of pandemics? How does the, the World Health Organization, along with the UN and their Agenda 2030, how is it that they've been telling us that they were going to institute the things they want to institute, which is totalitarianism, through pandemics? How is it that they know this stuff? It's because they're the ones doing it. They're the ones doing it. Again, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not buying the China thing. I think the government's colluded together along with these people. These are their, they're their puppets. These are the masters they serve. And they're implementing these things, claiming that they have a solution. And people, even after this COVID-1984 stuff, are still buying into it. And like I showed you on Saturday, uh, the pagan statue that replaced the Robert E. Lee statue in New Orleans... And then we had this uh, sad story that came out of the January 6th issue. The political prisoner, Mark uh, Angst, I believe is how you pronounce his name, he pled guilty to, quote-unquote, parading in U.S. Capitol, allegedly commits suicide before his sentencing. Yeah. It's kind of uh, convenient, isn't it? You get a confession out of the guy, yeah, I was parading in the U.S. Capitol. We're going to off him before he gets a sentencing so that nothing else can be said. As possible, the guy killed himself. I, I'm not denying that. But don't you find this ironic? How many of those uh, Capitol Police officers committed suicide? Was it like four of them? How many other of these political prisoners from January 6th have done this? Or have even died in jail? Several of them. I, I find this highly unusual. Just me being cynical, right? Just me being cynical. And then I want to bring your attention over to this, too. This is going on. Roman Catholic Church. Church apologies. Top leaders say sorry for historical sins. And it's namely against indigenous groups in Canadian soil here uh, that they're having, this this guy Francis. Um, And then you've got it out of the AP in both of these where they're showing up in Canada to say, we're sorry that we were such bad people that we didn't honor Christ because we're really not Christ's people anyway. Again, we, we've been over this, 
this kind of stuff before. These guys that claim this vicarious Christi, the vicar of Christ, Christ representative on earth, antichrist, in the place of Christ, that's what they are. They've not demonstrated anything close to Christianity in their existence. And why is that? Because they're not His. They teach a false gospel. You can get to heaven by your baptism. You can get to heaven by, uh, again, you know, if you die, I've mentioned it before, probably going to get the person coming in and and troll it again, but I'm going to say it. You can die with the brown scapular that the alleged Mary, nobody can confirm that, showed up and uh, gave and said, oh, if you're wearing this when you die, next Saturday. Mary comes down, gets you out of the flames, takes you right into, into heaven. You don't have to spend 525 million years in purgatory or whatever. Goofy stuff that the Bible knows nothing about. You can go to these relics. This will get certain time off. All these kinds of things. Your works, your free will. See, free will is, is a doctrine out of Rome. It's not a doctrine out of the Protestant Reformation. In fact, it is, it is counter to that. All right? It is counter to that. Read Martin Luther's The Bondage of the Will. Read that. He said, this was the issue on which the whole matter, it was the, it was the hinge on which the whole matter turned, was the issue of free will. Because if you have free will, then you're going to put all kinds of things that you can add to the work of Christ. And the Reformers were completely against that. And they said, no, there's nothing to add there to the work of Christ. It is finished, is what Jesus said on the cross. It's done. We don't add anything to it. Um, so just be in mind of that. But, but here they are, running out to the indigenous people that they've done so much harm over the centuries, and they just want to say, we're sorry. That's not repentance there. That's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the way that is. Um, with that said, I want to take us over to Elena Kagan and the comments she made uh, recently in which she was basically saying um, that they have to rule according to public sentiment, not the Constitution, not law. They have to rule according to public sentiment. This is a lady who, did, who was never a judge before she was installed by Barack Hussein Obama Satora Sabarka, the great usurper. And by the way, it's not just the Democrats that, that let that guy be in office. It's the Republicans who didn't have any um, guts to take him to task and remove him from office because he was never qualified to be there in the first place. I'm thinking of Mark Wayne Mullen. I know my friend... that. The crew chief out there will appreciate that out there in Oklahoma because Mark Wayne was given the documents showing this guy had fraud had had committed fraud with the document he put on the White House website, and nobody held him. To, the only person who was even close to holding him accountable was Joe Arpaio, and and his was it cold case posse or whatever that they had. Here was Elena Kagan. She's put up, and we know why she was put in there. She was put in there to move the court towards the idea that they could somehow say that marriage involving two men or two women was legitimate. So here's the report out of the Hill, and we're going to talk about some of this as far as what the Constitution says, 
that she should be applied to, and then what the Bible says about judges and about God himself, because judges are to mirror God. They are ministers of God, Romans 13. They are to look to the law, they're to interpret the law correctly, and then they're to apply it to whatever the case is that they're dealing with. So here's what the Hill had to report. Supreme Court Justice Elena Kagan said on Thursday at a conference that the legitimacy of the Supreme Court is tied to its conformity to public opinion, Reuters first reported. I'm not talking about any particular decision or even particular series of decisions, but if over time the court loses all connection with the public and with the public sentiment, that's a dangerous thing for democracy, Kagan said at a judicial conference in Montana. Well, wait a minute. When you judge, it's not about a it's not about democracy. By the way, we're a republic. That's what the Constitution guarantees in every state is a republican form of government. Okay? So a republican form of government operates with law. Not feeling, not sentiment, or any of that stuff. It operates with law. If the society has gone lawless, judges are supposed to bring the law to bear against the lawless. It's pretty simple. But that's what it is. No, it's not a dangerous thing for a democracy. It's a dangerous thing for those who are violating law. Real law. And I'm not talking about this pretended stuff that they're putting out today where they're infringing on all kinds of rights, where they think they're holier than God and making part of his creation somehow illegal and banned and stuff like that. I'm not talking about those kinds of things. I'm talking about real law where there's real, a real victim, a real crime that's been committed. Okay? And by the way, the Supreme Court can only rule on about four different things. We'll be looking at some of that here in just a minute. Kagan, a liberal appointed to the Supreme Court by former President Obama, dissented into or in the court's momentous decision in Dobbs versus Jackson, women's health organization that overturned Roe v. Wade and sent the authority on abortion back to the states. The recent Supreme Court term included many contentious decisions, including cases about gun rights and the Environmental Protection Agency, and Kagan was often on the dissenting side, though she's backwards, so no, there's no, no surprise there. Kagan said at the conference that the court earns its legitimacy by remaining impartial and non-partial. Overall, the way the court retains its legitimacy and fosters public confidence is by acting like a court. Well, yeah, and what does a court do? It upholds the law, not public sentiment. It's by doing the kinds of things that do not seem to people political or partisan. Well, yeah. But what do you do when you're going to sit here and say, it's okay to murder children, which she cited with a dissent, right? How does that not seem political or partisan? What is the deal of upholding the perversion of marriage? Is that not political and partisan? It's certainly not upholding the law. But yet, they say one thing, they do another. It goes on, uh, this report from The Hill says, Kagan referenced times in history when Supreme Court justices failed to discipline themselves and instead, quote, attempted to basically enact their own policy or political or social preferences, saying that this puts court legitimacy at risk. You think... You've been engaged with it, chick. By the way, I I gotta say that this if if you want to say a woman looks like a man, this 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 definitely Miss Kagan looks like a man to me. Maybe that's why there's such a warped and bent 
kind of side to her that comes out of this. But nevertheless, public opinion doesn't have anything to do with it, does it? Not one thing. This lady, like the rest of these cats on the Supreme Court, swore an oath to do what? Uphold the Constitution, right? What, what, what are they to do? Uphold the Constitution. That's what they're supposed to do. Is that, what she's, is that what it sounds like she's doing? No. It sounds like what she's doing is she wants to uphold whatever the view is that she has at the time. Whatever political, perverted persuasion that she is giving out, right? That she holds to. She's not there to uphold the law. She's not there for that. That's what she's supposed to be, but she's not for that. Several people responded when this went out from uh, the Hill. One of them said, as long as they do their jobs and determine what is or is not constitutional, public sentiment is not relevant. That's actually true, but half the time they don't do their job as a court. They rule on things they shouldn't be ruling on. They won't rule on things they should rule on. And then oftentimes when they're ruling... They're ruling apart from law. Somebody else said, the court isn't a legislature. That's right. Public opinion has literally zero to do with its function or legitimacy. Another person wrote, and that's the problem with Kagan. Supreme Court interprets laws not follow the mob. See, that's why they keep putting in this term democracy. The guys who, who wrote the Constitution, I mean, look, you can pick what you want to pick about the history there, but they were clear they, they were not looking to have democracy. They knew what that resulted in. And they want this idea of democracy getting into the culture. They've been putting it in there since the 80s, late 80s. From George H.W. Bush on, they've been making reference to our democracy, our democracy. Well, we don't have one. And it's a threat. Now, they want mob rule. Sadly, when the mob is shown to be against them, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. But they want to, they want to persuade people that there's something else. And then, of course, uh, there was one lady who wrote, this is what happens when you put someone in, on the court who never served as a judge. Well, you've got people on there that served as judges who are really no better than her. We've got several of those things going on. All right, so what does the Constitution say? Well, the Constitution addresses the judicial system in Article 3. And we're going to look at that, and then we're going to look to the text of Scripture and see, okay, what's a, what are judges to do? How are we to see them? Okay? So here's what we see here in Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution. In Section 1, it says, The judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may, from time to time, ordain and establish. So you have the main court for dealing with um, federal issues is the Supreme Court. And then Congress can establish other courts that are inferior to the Supreme Court. The judges, both of the supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. You understand that? 
The judges, both of the supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. Now, what is good behavior? Well, good behavior is this idea, not only that they have good character, and they keep good character, but they're also conducting their job the way they're supposed to. In other words, they're going to the law, and they're interpreting the law correctly, and applying it to the cases that they're faced with, or that they've been authorized to judge. Okay, they're not, they're not authorized to judge just any old case out there, okay? Certain things that they can judge on. And shall at stated times receive for their services a compensation which shall not be diminished during their continuance in office. Section 2 says, The judicial power shall extend to all cases and law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States, and treaties made, or which shall be made under their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party, to controversies between two or more states, between a state and citizens of another state, between citizens of different states, between citizens of the same state claiming lands under grants of different states, and between a state or the citizens thereof, and foreign states, citizens, or subjects. Okay? So they've got... Yeah. We're, she's, she's up taking care of some dishes from yesterday. <laughs> so you're, 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 in, you're in the Brown Cafe here. Um, so what's going on here is this. Look at the things that they can, they can rule on. Now, here we've got these federal issues here. All right? <clears throat> right there. That's what you've got. When it comes to you and I, here's what they can rule on. Okay? That's what's going on. So, federal stuff, then the thing among the citizenry or among the states, if there's an issue there. That's all, that's all they really are supposed to rule on. Okay? In all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and councils, and those in which a state shall be party, the Supreme Court shall have original jurisdiction. In all the other cases before mentioned, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction, both as to law and fact, with such exceptions and under such regulations as the Congress shall make. The trial of all crimes, except in cases of impeachment, shall be by jury and such trials shall be held in the state where the said crimes shall have been committed. But when not committed within any state, the trial shall be at such place or places as the Congress may by law have directed. And then section 3. Treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering uh, to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless by the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act, Right, and that comes right out of Scripture. By two or three witnesses, the matter is confirmed. Or on confession in open court. The Congress shall have power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainer, attainer of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. So what do we got going on here? This is the confines of those who are in the federal judiciary. 
We've said it over and over. The Constitution was never written to infringe on us. It was not meant to bind us. It was not meant to limit us, the people. Okay? That's, it, that's just not the way it's even written. That's not the way it's written. It was meant to restrict those who are our representatives. Okay? So, there you have it. There you have laid out what they're supposed to do. Now, we talked about they hold their office during good behavior. Okay? Now, what happens if they're not engaged in good behavior? Go to my little copy here. Article 2, Section 4 says this is what's to happen to them. The President, Vice President, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. Okay? So they're to be impeached or removed from office. And, by the way, this would also apply to um, Congress. They can be removed as well. Members of Congress can be removed as well. But what happens when you remove them? Well, then you need to prosecute them because the crimes they've, been, they've committed are a... Um, it, it's not obviously... They, it's not good behavior, but they have betrayed the public trust. As my friend David Pruitt from the Miracle Says says, a public service is a public trust. So they're engaged in public service. They have broken public trust, or they've broken trust with the public. And so they, they must be held to account. It's a crime to do that. Okay? So we go to Article 1, Section 3, Clause 7. And we see judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office. So if you impeach somebody, that's the most impeachment does, is just remove them from office. Okay? If they're, if they're convicted in that. All right? And disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. But the party convicted shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment. Now listen to that. The party convicted, and that is from impeachment. They, in other words, they, they've been convicted and they've been impeached. And impeachment takes it to a trial, and they're convicted. They're to be removed from office, all right? And then they are nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. Here's the problem that we have. And if, if you want to know partly why I mentioned things like abolishing D.C., this is to be done by the representatives because it lays out how impeachment is to take place. We can't even get the people that are representatives to side with the law because they're too worried about public sentiment to go into have these people impeached, to remove them from office. Many of those guys up there in D.C. know Joe Biden's illegitimately in the, in the White House. A couple of them have put up articles of impeachment, but nobody gets behind it. Nobody gets up there and, and removes them from office. They know he's in there illegitimately. They could cite his presence in the office as a high crime, as treason, because that's what it is. But they don't do it. Donald Trump told you that's what it was, but 
he didn't do anything about it. And I know there's still people think, oh, just wait, just hang on, get your popcorn, keep watching the show. Can't you see all this stuff that's happening? Yeah, I see all the stuff that's happening. <laughs> I see them throwing out all kinds of infringing on the Constitution and our liberty bills that they're, they're trying to pass and push through. I see them thumbing their nose even at the Roe v. Wade decision, saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to have, you know, we're going to murder babies on, on public federal land. We're going we're gonna to do it, which basically there hardly is any. They've usurped that, too. We're going to do it in the military. They've just thumbed their nose at that. So how are they supposed to be behaving? Well, we know from Scripture, and I meant to bring this up. I've got a list of some things that I want to uh, give to people so that they can, they can go look at it themselves, because all of us know this inherently. Um, we know that judges are supposed to be just, right? They're supposed to be just. They're suppo supposed to rule righteously. So what does Romans 13? Maybe some of you are joining us for the first time um, or you have, you know, a, a, a hireling in the pulpit who has told you, Romans 13 says, you've got to submit to any authority out there. I don't care how lawless they are. I don't care how much of a tyrant they are. I don't care if they hate God. I don't care if they hate you. They hate your neighbor. They're killing people, whatever. They, you've got to submit to them. Those guys don't know the scripture and they're not led by the spirit of God and you shouldn't be around them. Here's what we read in Romans chapter 13. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are, are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Now listen to what Paul is saying and think about when he's writing. He's writing at a time where you have Roman Caesars who believe they are gods. They're promoting themselves as gods to the people. The people burn incense to the Roman Caesars as their god. Okay? And just like America has become today, Rome was just fine with Jesus among the other gods. Just don't say he's the only way, which is what Jesus said he was. The only way to the Father. Just don't say he's the only way. Just don't say he's the only God. And you're okay. But the Christians wouldn't do that. Okay? And DC's become like that too. How dare you just make it about Jesus? You judgmental, hypocritical, you, you, you bigots, you haters. How dare you talk about Jesus like that? Jesus would never say this. And they don't even know what Jesus said. Because many of them, as we have seen before, both in the Supreme Court and in Congress, are holding to an apostate church and a false gospel. Many of them aren't even holding to that. So, here's what we've got. Paul says, Rulers are not a terror to, do, to good works, but to evil. But what, did the, what was following after Paul's departure? They were taking, they were murdering Christians. They were crucifying them. They were feeding them to wild animals in an arena. They were hunting them down. They were cutting their heads off. 
They were doing all of this kind of stuff. So how does that jive with what he's talking about here? Paul is is not talking about what's going on right there. He's giving a prescription of how those who are in authority are to behave. And if they behave justly and properly as ministers of God, then they're not a terror to those who do good, but to those who do evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Verse 3, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. You know, when, when, when men do what is right before the law, if you have those in authority who are good, who are, who are really good, and they're attempting to do what the law demands, whether it's a judge judging righteously, whether it's a lawmaker staying within the confines that they've been given, the people are blessed. Isn't that what Scripture says? Yep, when the righteous are there, the people are blessed, right? The people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, there's sorrow. The people are downtrodden. The people are oppressed. So Scripture is not off in this, and this is why when you get a hireling who teaches you, you just submit to all this, he has no answer for these kinds of things. Wait a minute, if, if I'm submitting myself to the authority and I'm doing good, why are they attacking me for things that are good? That doesn't make sense of what script because it's not descriptive of what's going on at the time. It's given a prescription of how ministers are to do. And by the way, in our form of government, guess who the king is here in Romans chapter 13? The king who does this. For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. That's the instrument of death, by the way. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. So here's, here's the question. And then he goes on and he says, For this cause pay ye tributes also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. And I like the fact that it, it calls them ministers. Those who serve publicly are servants of, of the people, but they are ministers of God. And here's the disconnect for a lot of Christians. When I bring the issue of character in, every time we have an election and stuff like that, and I bring the character in, and I said, you got a guy here who doesn't have any character. He's got bad character. The people go, well, we're not hiring a pastor-in-chief. No, but you're hiring a minister-in-chief. That's what Romans 13 says. He's a minister of God. And the point that I make to them is very simple. It's very logical, very simple. God teaches us as men to have character in our home, right? Deuteronomy 6 says that we're to have His commands in our heart. We're to teach them to our children. We're, Ephesians 5, we're to use the, water, the washing of the water of the Word for our wives, right? So we're, we're to demonstrate that in our home. Then when you go into the church, the church has looked and they've seen your conduct... Okay, They've seen your conduct of how you've conducted yourself. They see the fruit of whatever comes out of your house. And then you, get, you, are, you are examined uh, to either be a deacon, because even deacons who are servants, we talked about this a little bit with that term doulos on Saturday, uh, deacons are to have certain character, and their homes are to reflect that too, their wives and their children, just like an elder is in the church. They're to have the same thing, character qualities. 
And if they don't have those, they're not to be in those positions, in those offices, okay? And I asked people, I said, why would you hold a higher standard for somebody to be in your pulpit than you would be to be out here in the public square that's going to determine what you can and can't do with your life, with your property, with your rights that you have. Why would you hold them to a less standard? And then when you go and elect them, you say, we're not, get out of here. We're not, you, you, you're looking for a theocracy and you're looking for perfection and all this kind of stuff. Why would, you, why would you vote somebody in like that? And then you're going to complain when they don't do what they said they would do. You ever thought about that? You, you reject the counsel that God gives in His Word, and then you complain about it when the guy does what you knew he was going to do, because he's already shown you a life in which he's, he's done it. Or he's already been in office and he's shown you what he's done. It's just it's utter foolishness. And getting back to judges, what do we see? We, we see that the scriptures are filled with all kinds of um, things that judges are to do, and that is a reflection of God because they are ministers of God. Let me give you a few of these things here. Um, Deuteronomy 25, verses 1 and 2. If there is a dispute between men and they go to court, and the judges decide their case, and they justify the righteous and condemn the wicked, then it shall be, if the wicked man deserves to be beaten, the judge shall then make him lie down and be beaten in his presence with the number of stripes according to his guilt. That's a just judge, isn't it? But keep in mind, it's if he justifies the righteous and condemns the wicked, not the other way around. And we see a lot of that that goes on, where the wicked are justified and the righteous condemned. That's been going on for a long time in this country. We also see in the Old Testament how the judges were set up. We even have a book called the Book of Judges. And what we see there in Judges chapter 2 is we see this, and this is beginning in verse 16. And the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. Now he's talking about the people of Israel. Here was God showing mercy to them giving them judges who delivered them from the hands of their oppressors. Were they thankful? They were, relieved, they were relieved that they're no longer being plundered by their enemies, but were they thankful? Nope, they went right back to doing what they were doing. And notice what it says. <laughs> they played the harlot. Now, I'm sure there were harlotries and adulteries and all that other physical things going on there. But it's talking about a spiritual. They were not uh, faithful to their husband, as it were, the Lord, the one who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. They were not faithful to him. They went after false gods, other gods. And they didn't just go after them. They bowed themselves down to them. And it says, They turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, 
They did not do as their fathers, and when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. And yet, was it not God bringing that affliction on them? Was it not Him disciplining them? Yep, it was. Why? Because they needed it. And what does a loving father do? Does he not correct his children? That's right. The Bible says if we don't do that, then we don't love our children. We don't demonstrate love for them. And let me throw this in here because I meant to make mention of it when we were in Romans chapter 13. In our society, it was set up completely different than other societies in history in the sense that most in Christendom began their covenant documents with God, with the, with the, with the one who, was, who had established the covenant. In ours, we started it with we the people. Okay? And so we the people have to enforce the Constitution. We are the king. We are the ruler here in Romans 13, in, our, in, this, in this culture that we're in. A lot of societies can't say that. We can say that. That's clear in our covenant document. This is why it's important. This is why when you go to the Constitution, the only law enforcers in here are who? The militia, right? The president is to make sure the laws are faithfully executed, but it's the militia who are the ones who enforce the laws, right? They're to repel invasions. They're to put down insurrections. You want to be part of the solution, and the solution is the people. It's not going to be your politicians. It's not going to be D.C. It isn't even going to be in your state capital. It's going to be you and me. And this is why I recommend tactical civics. Learn the civic duty. You don't have to agree with everything tactical civics says, but you can see how you can put components in your local county along with others, and you can be the, the, the difference. I don't want to say the change. We want to revert things back to the old paths, right? We want to go back to the simplicity of simple law, not all this baggage and burden that we've got going on now. We can be part of the solution to that. Okay? There's a couple of other things. Um, let me pull up this one because I forgot to, to bring it in. Well, got to bring it in here. But we know that uh, Moses' father-in-law in Exodus 18 also laid out the issue for um, help that Moses had. I mean, he's got, I don't know, a million Hebrews that's come out of Egypt, right, who've been working there. And they bring the, God delivers them out, and there's no way Moses can, can hear all the cases the people have, you know, disputes among one another and all this, and they just can't do it. So his father-in-law speaks to him, and there in Exodus 18, beginning in verse 13, here's what he says. It came about the next day that Moses sat to the judge the people sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from the morning until the evening. Can you imagine? I mean, I've been over here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you want to talk about a racket? The, the, whole, the whole speeding thing, speed limits and all that, I know everybody thinks, oh, this is keep people safe and this, that, and the other. Is it really? Or is it really about making money? I want you to stop and think about that for a second. The policeman that does 100 to catch you doing 10 miles over the speed limit We'll tell you, you need to be careful. Speed kills. Oh, yeah? How fast were you going to try to catch me? Hmm. We're both still alive, aren't we? 
Yes, we are. Just food for thought there. It's a racket. And I've been in there, and literally, they'll have 3,000 or more people go through the traffic court a day. And most of those people are not going to fight it. They're just going to pay the fine, and they're going to pay the higher insurance. So both the state and the corporations get paid off. Why? For a victimless crime, which is no crime. Just going to tell you, yeah, I'll say what I mean by that. That's exactly what it is. It's a racket. It's to steal from you is what it is. Came to pass that as he sat there and the people stood about Moses from morning until evening, now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor, and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Now, there's, there's a, a right judge. There's a just judge. Elena Kagan could learn something from this. He didn't look at the public sentiment. He didn't look at they were friends. He didn't look at if you know that he could get something from them, if he could be bribed. He says, I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you are doing is not good. Not, it, he's not saying... You know, going to the statutes of God and his laws are not good. It's just not good for you to be sitting here all day dealing with this stuff. You got other stuff you got to do. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. And listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God, Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. This is Deuteronomy 6. You are to teach the men there. They are to go and teach the other men. So you're going to have a small group. It's kind of like what Jesus had. He had a small group of men that he taught, the disciples. And those guys would be going on beyond him, and they would be teaching other people. And that way you could reach a bigger mass uh, audience over a period of time by doing that, by multiplying. Okay. And so when men had questions, when the fathers had questions, they went and they asked the guys who were above them. So he tells them to do this. He says, teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they will bring to you. If it's something they can't handle, they'll bring it to you. Otherwise, they've got the law, they've got the statutes, this is how they're going to rule. Okay? Pretty simple. But every minor dispute, they themselves will judge. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you if you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said, and Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times, the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Now, why is that? 
Because judges, again, are to reflect the character of God. They are to be, as it were, God to the people. That's why they would be called gods. Remember Jesus talked about that when he says, I'm the son of God? You don't have a problem with, with calling your judges gods, right? They were to be gods to the people in, in order to, in, in essence, to teach them the law of God. Not that they were some kind of deity or something like that, but they were to be a representative of who God is, or as Paul says here, a minister of God. Okay? And so what do we see in Scripture? What, what are these things about God and Him being a judge and Him being a just judge? Psalm 50 verse 6 says, And the heavens declare His righteousness, for God Himself is judge. Psalm 76, verses 8 and 9 says, You caused judgment to be heard from heaven. The earth feared and was still. And when God arose to judgment, to save all the humble of the earth. Notice that, to save the humble, not the prideful. Isaiah would speak of him, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Isaiah 33, 2. And we're told in Isaiah 66, verse 16, For the Lord will execute judgment by fire and by his sword on all flesh, and those slain by the Lord will be many. In 2 Timothy uh, 4, verse 8, he's called the righteous judge, the one who will award us on the day of judgment. He is spoken of as the judge of all. In Hebrews 12, 23. In James chapter 4, verse 12, he's said to be the only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Now understand, we make judgments all the time about actions that are done. That does not mean we render condemnation or a judgment in its full measure because we don't have that authority. And I could go on and on and on about the righteousness and the holiness of the just judge who is the Creator. And listen, we're all going to stand before Him. I mentioned this the other day. Paul says that we're going to stand before Him, and we're going to give an account of all things done in the body, whether they're good or whether they're evil. And He is a righteous judge. He's not going to be bribed. And the only thing that can save us from condemnation, the Scripture says, is the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But that comes on condition of repentance of our lawlessness or our sin. You guys have a great day. Bradley will be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and we'll see you in the morning, 6 a.m., Lord willing. Adios.